Thank you so much. It is a joy and a pleasure and a privilege to be here this morning with you in this rather unorthodox way. I'm now five months into my service, uh, serving as your regional minister, and this is only the second time I've been in one of our congregational sanctuaries on a Sunday morning. And both times it has been to broadcast a service, so only technical people and other worship leaders in the sanctuary with me. Not quite how I imagined this ministry would be, but then again I think that's pretty true for all of us right now. Not quite what we expected this to be. Let's join together in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this opportunity to gather with you in your holy presence in, this, in these ways this day. We ask that you bind us closer together with one another and with you during our time of worship. We pray all this and so much more in Jesus' name. Amen. A scripture lesson this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 52nd chapter. Listen for God's word. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your sentinels lift up their voices. Together they sing for joy, for in plain sight they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, And all the ends of the earth shall see salvation from our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of it. Purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go out in flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. So I serve as your regional minister. One of my great opportunities is to support and nurture and be with our more than 100 congregations, 117 congregations around our region in the upper Midwest and more than 200 uh, fellow ministers. And so I bring you greetings from all of them this day. And I appreciate the ways that you live into our covenant to be disciples together. I was especially honored to hear that your March service project supports the Easter special day offering, which is something we all support. Supports our general ministries, Office of General Ministry and Minister and President, our domestic missions, our overseas missions, higher education ministries, and so much more. So thank you on behalf of our region and our partners in ministry around the United States and Canada for your support and your participation in our shared ministries. I'll be honest, as I said before, I I haven't had many opportunities to meet a lot of congregations yet. Most of my interactions have been with ministers, and most of those in meetings online, video conferences mostly, Zoom. I don't know how many of you have used Zoom a lot in the past year, Many of us have. Of course, there's some other platforms that you can use to do the same thing so you can actually see some of the people you're talking to. I know this has been a real 
gift to grandparents so they can at least see their grandkids if on a phone or some other screen. But it is a little weird, right? I mean, on the one hand, the technology is fantastic. It allows us to do so much more than we would otherwise be left with, but it's weird. And I discovered just recently that Zoom recognizes how weird it has been and they've added a new feature to their system. You may or may not be aware of it if you use Zoom regularly. I wasn't aware of it until I read it, not through their material, but in a newspaper article a couple of weeks ago. When you're on a video conference, you can turn off your camera so people can't see you, which is a polite thing to do if you leave the meeting for, to go to the restroom, or my kids sometimes come down and interrupt while I'm in one of those meetings, or sometimes if I have several in a row, I eat a snack or even lunch. But they've added a new feature where you can simply hide your screen from yourself. Your camera still works and broadcasts your face, and when you're unmuted, your voice to others around in your meeting, wherever people are gathering from, but you don't see yourself. Because it turns out some people are uncomfortable seeing their face on the screen so much. And why is that? I think the main reason is because some, it's, the, it's the same reason that some of us don't like to look at the mirror, look at, look at ourselves in the mirror in the morning. We don't quite believe, or more often don't quite like, the reflection that we see looking back at us. It reminds us of, well, some of our imperfections. It reminds us that we don't look how we think we ought to look. And we'd rather not be reminded of it. I mention that because often we in the church, we do the same thing. I don't think that's why the camera's not working this morning in our service, by the way. But who knows? That's not what I'm referring to. We do the same thing. We focus, uh, when, when we start to reflect on who we are and how we are as church, we look around and we say, well, we're not that. We don't have that. Maybe you've done the same. I've been in congregations and visited with congregations that are almost apologetic of the churches that they aren't. They don't have lots of kids or they don't have people who look very different from one another. They don't have a lot of older people or they don't have a lot of working people. Frequently when I interact with people in the church, they they tell me all the things that they're not And it's like pulling teeth to get them to describe who they are and what they're about. And some of that is just our desire not to brag, which is laudable and faithful. But some of it, I think, is like that reluctance to see our faces so much in the mirror or on a computer screen. We think we fall short. We think we're not as we should be, and we'd rather not be reminded of it. But I'm convinced that's not how God 
looks at us. I don't think God looks at us and just sees all the things that we're not. I don't think God looks at us and focuses only on all of the broken places in our lives. All of the mistakes that we have made. And maybe even are continuing to make. I think God sees something quite different. I think God sees beauty. Which is why I brought, brought up that passage from the prophet Isaiah. But we'll come back to it for a minute. Because I want to tell you why I was inspired to reflect on Isaiah this morning. You can't see it. I'm pointing at it. I don't think the camera's on yet. The beautiful baptistry in your sanctuary. I was struck with it. I, I visited here once before. And I was struck. Not just by the beauty of your sanctuary. But I think this may be the most beautiful baptistry I've ever seen in a disciples congregation building. It looks like it just fits and it's not hidden. And I can only imagine how beautiful baptisms are in it. But when I think about the beauty of baptisms, I don't focus ever on the baptistry. Or on the other containers of water that we're using for baptisms. The beauty of a baptism is what? The person being baptized. And one of the most beautiful moments of that is when they go into the waters filled with the Holy Spirit. And arise into new life. A new life of faith. It's a moment of exquisite beauty. And let's be honest. I mean I've been in the baptistry a lot. And so I've seen pictures of a lot of baptisms. And we never look very good. It is not a photogenic event. You know, if if you're a woman particularly, and you do a lot with your hair, and you go into the water, your hair does not look the same when you come back out. Now there's a whole sermon there about how none of us is supposed to be the same when we come out of the waters of baptism. But I've never seen somebody who was embarrassed of their baptism photo. Have you? Have you ever met somebody who was embarrassed? If if there's a a photo of their baptism, if there's a photo of your baptism, are you embarrassed of it? Isn't it a thing of great beauty? What makes it beautiful? The prophet Isaiah is writing to a people who, well, they're not all that different than we are today. They can't be together. The temple has been destroyed. The people have been scattered. They've been oppressed. They're afraid. They're worried that when all is said and done, God has abandoned them. And they'll never experience God's presence and peace again. And this prophecy is a reminder. These are words of hope to a scattered people, to a broken people, to a bunch of people who'd rather not focus on who they are because all they can see is who they aren't. A people who can't be together, a people who can't worship together, a people who can't govern themselves, a people who are oppressed. 
a people who are scared and not at peace. And the words of hope began, how beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The good news that God is on the way. The good news that God's peace and healing is on the way. And if you're one of those people who doesn't like to look at yourself in the mirror, and you don't like to see your face during a video conference, I'm fairly confident you don't want anybody looking at your feet. Right? If we had to pick out parts of our bodies that we would like to keep covered and we don't want anybody to look at, feet are going to be at the top of the list. So it's not just that the prophecy begins how beautiful, begins how beautiful are the feet of the people who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet. That's God's word to a broken, to a hurting, to a a spread out people. To a people who are focused on what they aren't. And God says, look at this beauty that's coming. The beauty of the feet bringing good news of my return, of your return, of your coming together. How beautiful are the feet of those that remind you, that remind us that we are still God's people. Our challenge... Our challenge as followers of Jesus is to continue to have beautiful feet and beautiful other things. To offer that news through our words and through our lives, through our actions and our service to others, through our forgiveness and through our love. To show the beauty of God's presence and God's peace to others in our families, to others in our church family, to others in our community and beyond. Our beauty is not in what we're lacking. Our beauty in God's eyes and in the eyes of others who see God through us is not in our imperfection. It's not in our limited numbers or our limited ways of serving right now. The beauty is in the message that we bring. Of the ways that we encourage others to glimpse God's presence and all that comes with it in our midst. God's forgiveness, God's acceptance, God's love, God's guidance, God's nurturing and encouragement, God's peace. I'm confident there are many things happening at Central Christian. Even in these days of pandemic. Even in these days when it is hard to gather together. That are beautiful in God's sight. Beautiful things that you are doing through the love and generosity of Jesus for others. Don't sell yourselves short. Don't try to turn off the camera and pretend 
You're not doing beautiful things. Because you are. Now, one word in this season of Lent. If you look at your reflection in the mirror, if you look and say, I don't think we're doing all that we could be doing as Central Christian Church. Well, this is a season of reflection and penitence as well. If you're not perfect in your ministry, then you're simply human. And one of God's beautiful creations. We always have that invitation to become more perfect. To become more like Jesus. So, if this sermon also encourages you to do a little reflection, that's okay. But never forget, there's beauty already. As somebody who's been through the waters of baptism, as somebody gathered in the presence of the, and through the power of the Holy Spirit this day, as someone seeking to be a messenger of God's love in the world, you are beautiful. You have, as Isaiah would say, beautiful feet. What a privilege it is to share God's good news with other people around us. And my privilege today to share, I hope, a bit of God's good news with you. Amen.